welcome to episode 49, one week away from episode 50. Can you believe that? No, it's almost been a full year already, Vince. Yeah, and next year will be our one-year anniversary because we did miss two episodes this year. So 50th anniversary, one year. Uh, great. We we are rivaling. Uh, the ratings are rivaling like Cheers in its heyday, Friends in its heyday. The final episode uh, of MASH? Yeah, right the here. final episode. Nothing on us, so. Uh, but uh, seriously, we do thank each and every one of you who have stayed with us uh, for this first year. Uh, we've had a lot of bumps in the road, uh, figuring out what we are doing. I have decided I will never stop saying, um, because I am the type of person who speaks when I think. So the ums will come out, even though it drives me crazy. But I, I wish I could speak like you, J.D. You just rattle it off. Well, I I hit the brakes. I go like for about five minutes and then I hit the brakes and then I hit a, about three us and then I go on to something else. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you've not done it yet, uh, remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on X, contact us through one card, one cup, one beer at gmail.com. You can subscribe to our page by clicking on the icon at the bottom right corner. If you're watching on Mac or PC, or if you are watching this on a television, maybe, uh, the YouTube channel at the end of the video, just go up to the use your remote, go up to the dot highlighted or the circle highlighted, and you will be pres uh, prescribed, subscribe. Uh, go to patreon.com. You can support us there. Uh, just go to Patreon, type in one cardinal, one cup, and one beer. You can help support these efforts. JJ, how are you doing? I'm doing, I. Me personally, I'm doing great. I love it, man. Baseball is in the final month of the stretch drive. The Cardinals are not in the pennant race. Makes me sad. I'm excited to hear it's your weird. report on the Cubs. Yeah, but you know, I, I'll get to it in a minute, but I did go to a game this week, and it's so much fun seeing the young players. Um, I'll go over some of that here in a little bit too, but I'm enjoying all the possibilities of these different teams making it. I remember uh, so many years that the Cardinals could just be within five games with a month ago, we had a shot. Well, this year we're out of it. We'll get, hopefully get some good draft choices. Uh, they're still getting about 32 to 31,000 per game, which is pretty good for a team that's out of the race. I'm, I'm proud of that. I went to the game Sunday. Um, and by the way, I'll draw your attention to the flag behind me. This is an awesome flag. It's got all the Cardinal history on it, the world championships, the pennants, the great players, uh, all the way down through the years, the nicknames, the go crazy, folks go crazy. Uh, the heat is on. Everybody remembers that from 1985. That was our theme song. <clears throat> then you get down even further, and it's uh, like Wayno sings the national anthem, the all-star game. And then all the different addresses for all the different ballparks we've had. I've actually loved that. I would love to find a Cub one for you. Uh, but that was a neat giveaway Sunday at the Cardinal thing. I absolutely love that. I said, I'm going to put that on the thing. I will find another one. And we'll have that as our next giveaway for our next uh, next uh, 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 contest we have. Uh, right. I have I have a uh, one of our listeners, Vince, uh, sent me a message and had a brush with greatness. I'm going to tell his story, and then I'm going to ask if you've had any brushes with greatness. Ray Hartman, who's been on our roundtable, 
was up on the uh, Tom Sawyer boat up by the arch. And he, it, this was uh, during the middle of the week last week. And he went to the top of the boat and there was a guy sitting up there with a Hawaiian shirt on. He had his hair tucked in his hat and he had a goatee and sunglasses. And Ray goes, are you Josh Hader? And he goes, Shh, yes, I am. And they high five. They talked for a minute. And then Ray went ahead and left. He said, I didn't want to bother the guy. He was on his free time. But that's pretty cool. He ran into Josh Hader and he wanted us to know about it. Have you had any uh, brushes with greatness over the years? Uh, just run into somebody uh, that everybody would know? I've had a few weird ones. Um, the only <laughs> baseball related one that I can think of was I was a kid. And as I've said before, I was named after famed Cub radio announcer Vince Lloyd. And me and my buddy, Phil, we were at a Cardinal game. We're walking around the concourse of the Old Bush Stadium. And I hear a voice, and I knew that voice, and I looked up, and it's Jack Brickhouse. Jack Brickhouse has announced, I think he still holds the record, announced the most uh, broadcast baseball games in the history of baseball. Wow. It's well over 5,000. When he retired, he's since passed away. But as a kid, he... I would watch the games on WGN. And before Harry came on in 82, Jack Brickhouse was the voice of the Cubs from like the late 40s through when he retired. So I heard that voice and I look up and there is Jack Brickhouse. And it immediately came to my mind, go tell him that you are named after Vince Lloyd. I don't know if he would have said, hey, you need to come to the booth or something like that. But I am I am very introverted, uh, which is why I stay in my basement all the time and watch baseball. Um, and as a kid, it was it was compounded so much more. I could not work my nerve up to go tell Brack Jack Brickhouse that I was named after one of his colleagues. Um, but I've had that in baseball. Another one, this has nothing to do with baseball. I, I've met a few famous people in my life, but I was a kid of about six or seven. And my mom was a huge country and Western fan. This is in the early 70s. They used to have these country Western, nobody calls it country Western anymore. This shows my age. They used to have these country <laughs> Western festivals in North County. And I had an aunt and uncle the parents of my cousin, Mark, who's been on the show, they were huge country Western fans. They had autographed pictures all over their basement. They had had country music stars at their house. My uncle was chief police of all for years, so he had some connections. Oh. So they went to Nashville all the time, and they knew a lot of these country Western stars. And so being that my mom and I went with my aunt, we had backstage passes at this country music festival and i do remember i got david allen coe's autograph and he seemed like he was eight foot tall um there was a very popular country western singer in the early 70s named barbara fairchild um yeah. got to talk to her but what i remember most was tanya tucker was a teenager she was like 16 at the time and she was probably the hottest thing in country music not just looks wise but you know yeah. popularity wise delta dawn yeah and they were i was in back of the stage looking up at the stage because that's how i saw the concert and the announcer said our next artist is 
Tanya Tucker. And I'm looking at the stage thinking, well, where's she at? And this rude lady runs into me and nearly knocks me down. And I remember as a little kid, as I'm, I'm looking up and this lady's walking away, and I'm thinking, hey, man, you nearly knocked me down. And she just walked on stage and started singing. I thought, oh, man. So I tell people, Tanya Tucker once touched me, and she'll probably never forget it. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Now, I had a couple, uh, not that weren't at card shows, but one time I was in St. Louis and it was near Bush Stadium and it was in the 90s and Lou Brock must have been staying there and he came out and I hurried to get the door. I said, let me get that door for you, Mr. Brock. Well, thank you. He looked very dapper. He had a tie on a suit, looked very nice. And so I didn't want to bother him because I figure everybody always wants something from him. I just want to know that I appreciated him. So I said, can I get the door? Got the door for him. And I said, I held it. I told him, my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife, I held the door for Lou Brock. You know, she goes, ah, calm down. The second time we were on a flight and the first class curtain was open and I'm we're getting settled in. And I look up there and I said, hey, Faith, that's my wife. There's a <laughs> Mickey Gilly. Mickey Gilly was in first class. Now, nobody there, you know, nobody now, especially the young people may not, but Gilly's the famous restaurant or uh, famous uh, bar with the mechanical bull. That was his thing. And he had a nice country career too, but he was up there getting just regular guy getting ready up there, but a big country Western singer. And uh, still, I, I, is he still with us? Is Mickey still with us? I, think he may have passed i don't know no, he may have passed he had a thing down in branson for a while too and i think that's where he was headed because we were um, headed to memphis and they were going to switch flights and i guess he was headed to branson or something like that so anyway mickey gilly but ray i want to thank ray hartman for sharing that story because uh that's pretty cool and he said uh hater was a a very nice guy he just didn't want to be recognized too much and they talked for a moment and he went on with his business because he didn't want to bother him well ray should have said Josh, you need to come back to the Central and pitch for the Cardinals. I, oh, I, I'm hope I was thinking that too. I was thinking, man, we need that guy. Oh, that would be great. Maybe, maybe one day. I don't know. Maybe he'll think, man, that guy from from uh, from DeSoto was so nice. I'm I'm gonna go think about going and playing there. Well, the Cardinals this week we had we had a lot of off days. So since we since last Tuesday we had uh, two games with the Padres, and that's why Josh Hader was in town. And uh, we won both games. We won Tuesday, six to five. And that was the game where Contreras hit two home runs. It was a 10 inning game. And uh, Goldie went two for three. And that young uh, uh, that young kid, Richie uh, Palacios, had a good game. And he had a two-strike bunt against Hayter to move the runner in scoring position in the last inning to tie, I think it was in the ninth game, in ninth inning to tie the game up. So he got the bunt down with two strikes off a hater, which is, I can't even imagine with that sweeping slider thing he's got. And uh, two strikes, if you foul ball, if you hit a foul ball, you're out. Yeah. So that, was a, that was a big moment right there. And as Cardinal fans, don't have a lot to hang our hats on. So I, I was so happy with that. And um, it's a good day anytime you beat Josh Hader. It's a good – and the Padres. On boat. Yeah, I'm glad we beat the Padres because they were, again, at the beginning of the year, uh, most experts picked them to be in the NL Championship uh, Series. So they're not even sniffing uh, the playoffs this year. And then Wednesday we won 5-4, to four, and uh, that was Edmund had his second straight walk-off. He hit a home run in that game. 
Wynn got a big hit and stretched it to a double with two outs. And then with two outs, Edmund hit the home run to win the thing five to four. And we've had so many games we should have won. And our bullpen has, we've blown more games than anybody else in the league. So it's good to see that flipped against the other team. So Edmund had two straight games where he got the walk-off hit, which was great. And, uh, and our young Phenom, the kid we got is going to be their next big player, I believe. Jordan Walker had his first four-hit game, and uh, he had his twelfth home run of the of the season there. And uh, he's coming along; he's hitting around two seventy. And as a rookie, uh, of course, you want to see these guys do these three thirty-five with forty home runs. You want to see that, but he's coming along very nicely. And as the season is progressing, it seems like he's getting better and better. He's not chasing that outside pitch, although sometimes he gets called against him. And then he has to expand his strike zone, but oh, he's looking so good! I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about this young man. So then, um, we had a three-game series with the Pirates, and the Pirates are fourth place, and we're fifth place. So this is the big, the big battle here, right here. And the Pirates took it to us. They beat us four to two in ten innings. It was a good game. Uh, Dakota Hudson went seven innings with one earned run. It went one-to-one one until the 10th inning, and they scored three runs in the 10th inning. So Dakota Hudson and the defense played terrific, and Contreras hit another home run in that game. Oh, and by the way, the, the game that Contreras hit two home runs, it, his parents were there, and it's the first game they saw in person with him as a Cardinal. So that was that was nice. He had two home runs the day his family was there, and then he had another home run in this game, which uh, we did lose 4-2 to two in 10 innings Saturday. We lost 7-6. to six. And we, all the runs we got were on home runs. Uh, O'Neal got his eighth. He just hasn't played a lot this year. Uh, Newt Barton got his 13th. And Walker hit another home run, making it his 13th as well. And uh, the Pirates came from behind, and our bullpen blew another game. They got two runs in the top of the ninth. Uh, Drew Ohm, this young man we got in a trade, uh, did not have a, a great 4.2 innings, three earned runs. He just, uh, you know... He didn't have a good start. And um, I did see that Saturday was our biggest attendance of the week, 38,000 on Saturday, uh, which is good. We've been averaging about 31, 32 since we've fallen out of the race. So 38 was there that night. And uh, Edmund and Walker both go two for three. And the final game we had this week was Sunday, which is the game I got to attend where they gave away the flag back there. And I went because Wayno was scheduled to pitch, and I was hoping to see him get 199. I still believe he can do it. Uh, he didn't pitch. Uh, but but we did see history. Uh, Tommy Edmond had two steals, and that was a steal 100th in his career. And I believe 128 is 25th all-time on the Cardinal list for stolen bases all-time. So if he plays another season with us and he keeps up around his average he gets, he, ought to, he might be in our top 25 stolen bases guys next year. And uh, I always look at statistics like that. I'm, I love Tommy Edmond. He's one of maybe. I hate to say he. I hate. I don't hate to say it. I love the guy. He's maybe my favorite player on the team. I love Tommy Edmond, and it, he's probably going to get traded for some pitching this year. That's probably what's going to happen. Um, Zach Thompson, a guy that was in our bullpen, was sent to the minors to get stretched out. He came in and pitched a heck of a game: seven innings and three runs. Um, he's got a three ninety. 3.91 ERA. That's not blowing anybody away, but that's solid. 
and uh, Walker went two for four and hit another home run. And Vince, he's hit 274 now, and this home run was a line shot. There was no arc to it. It was just a line shot, and the only thing stopping it was the back of the stadium. So <laughs> I, he, he lit that thing up, and, you know, you got the fireworks going off. It's just good to see the kid. I'm really hyper on this kid. And um, anyway, uh, six to four, the Cardinals go um, three and two this week. Winning week. I'll take it. I'll take it. And uh, I just going to throw a few more things out there, Vince. I got, uh, I was in the Cardinal store and I got a few little decorations for the back wall. A couple of guys, uh, maybe get your, anything you got to say about him. Mark Latell from Gideon, Missouri, a bullpen guy we traded uh, Robowski for. Remember him? You know, I, I remember him as a Cardinal, but I most remember in that was the 76 playoffs where he gave up the home run to Chambliss. Um, that's it's sad. He he threw hard. Um, yeah. and he he was a he's a pretty good pitcher, but that's kind of sad when you know you're remembered for something like that. I know, man. And he had a nice career. Uh, he wrote a couple books, and he's since passed away. This is one of my favorite Cardinals. This guy's a little controversial. I couldn't believe he's like one of those guys you get. You can't believe he's on your team, but uh, Jack Clark right there. Yeah. Jack Clark. And I, the thing I remember about Jack is they called uh, our team, a bunch of rabbits. We were headed just a bunch of uh, punch and Judy hitters guys that just slap the ball out there and run like the Dickens. But when Jack Clark showed up, things changed. I, I could sit in the outfield and, close my eyes and if Ozzy was up I hear Tinker Willie Tinker Tommy Her but then it's not like a shotgun going off when Jack Clark uh, was swinging and batting practice I was like good lord that, things have changed now and the other guy I got is a very under we we did a little profile on him earlier I like the hat he's got on in this picture but I got an eight by ten of Ray Lankford ah yes so you Cardinal fans if you ever go on a Saturday at and you pay to go to the Hall of Fame, they have about a three-hour signing. I know um, Scott Rowland's been there this year, and Tommy Herr, and uh, players like that. So you go there, you get one item signed, and you get to go around the Hall of Fame, too. So on Saturdays, they and you can look on the on uh, San Luis Cardinal Hall of Fame and see who's going to be there on Saturdays. So, Vince, that's my tale of woe with the Cardinals. I did see today that Tyler Motter got DFA'd. Yes, I saw that too. What? Uh, who cares? I think I was surprised. <laughs> that sucker's 33 years old. He don't look it. I thought he was a kid. I did too. I thought he was like Donovan. You know, they both had the long hair and I did not know that. You know, they let him go earlier and nobody picked him up and we picked him back up and he came back up and filled a spot when we had injuries. So, um, he might end up back with us or something, Vince. I don't know. Well, he's he's a very light hitter. He's in his approaching his mid thirties. I think his career may be over. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, in Cub news this week, I will start off by saying when we expanded the roster, we brought in Shane Green. Yes, Shane Green, the former All Star, who has been uh, at AAA, being stretched out as a starter for us. We picked him up off the scrap heap. He uh, has come up along with Alexander Canario. Alexander Canario hit a ton of home runs last year in the minors. Uh, was in an accident over the winter. 
Um, and he has come back and he, since he's been back, he's been hitting balls. So they've both been up. And so far, Shane Green has pitched one inning of mop-up relief and Canario does not have it at bat. So my feeling is this is not going to be the final. I think we picked up Shane Green because we have this long stretch of 20 games in 20 days that we're in about a third of the way through. So I think we needed one of the veteran in there to eat up some innings because we obviously weren't planning on starting him. Canario, I think it was just say, hey, we appreciate it. We don't need anybody really right now. So I think they're probably going to go within a week a different direction for the last for the for the uh, expanded roster call up. But um, I would like to see Canario at least get it at bat. Um, but he's just sitting on the bench, looking looking good. Good news, Marcus Stroman has been in Arizona throwing off of, off of a mound. And we had no idea how long this injury was going to heal because it's not a baseball injury. He uh, fractured the cartilage in his rib cage, And so with the positive news, we're kind of maybe he'll last 10 days a week of the season, uh, come back, make a start or two, and be a contributor. And uh, hopefully he's right. The pre-London uh, Marcus Schoen would be very welcome right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, this week, uh, this past week, we started on Tuesday while we were recording with a one to nothing victory over the Brewers. Remember, we started that series on Monday, and Tyone got creamed, and I was bad when I come on here. Justin Steele pitching in his second big league season wins his 15th. He showed up big time for a big time game. And I cannot rave enough about this guy. He's still, he's a two pitch pitcher. That's all he is, but you can't see it. And he is a freaking bulldog on the mound. He did not have his best stuff. He gutted out six shutout innings. And uh, Alzale came in and uh, got the save. Uh, Bellinger got a first inning RBI, and that held up. And very, I've got some weird thing coming up. So uh, on my computer, by the way. Oh, oh, <laughs> some hey. distraction. This is the second time this happened. I don't know what that is. So anyway, so uh, uh, that's that was Tuesday night's game. So. We go into the rubber game on Wednesday against the Brewers. We went three to two. Kyle Hendricks, six innings pitched, only gave up an unearned run. Uh, in the eighth inning, uh, the Brewers had the bases loaded. We brought Ausley in, and uh, we were up two to one at that point, and he hit the batter. So uh, that tied the score two to two. And uh, then we won it in the bottom of the uh, eighth inning with a run. Uh, we had three hits total in the game and still won three to two. Bellinger's uh, happened. Swanson had the RBIs. So Friday, uh, we go to Cincinnati and we have a doubleheader. In the first game against the Reds, we went six to two. Jordan Wicks pitching his second major league game. Comes up big, six innings pitch, one run. He is now 2-0 with a 1.8 ERA. 
in two starts. Bellinger, Suzuki, and Hap all have RBIs. So the second game, the night game on Friday against the Reds, um, we are up two to one going into the bottom of the ninth. Alzale comes in and gives up two runs, and the Reds walk us off. Uh, Bellinger did have a home run in that game, but we're up two to one going into the bottom of the ninth. We get walked off, and that's that's depressing. Do you want to know what's even more depressing than that, JJ? What's, what's more depressing than that? That it happens two games in a row because Saturday, uh, we're up uh, one to nothing, and Mark Leiter Jr. comes in to get the save in the ninth. He gets up two runs, and we lost two to one. That's been so, our story this year. That's been it's demoralizing. You fight for eight oh, innings, and then it just disappears. Candelario <laughs> did have a home run, but I'm thinking, okay, we go into Cincinnati. We have to split. We win the first game. We're feeling good. The next two games, we're up in both games going into the ninth. We fall apart. I'm not feeling good about Sunday's game. Not feeling good at all. In fact, I'm a Cub fan, and I am conditioned to think the world is falling apart whenever we get a strike called on us. I, I was not looking forward to Sunday's game. Uh, by, by the way, Friday's game, uh, Javier aside, H Assad eight shutout innings. I watched. Um, I watched some of that game. He looked terrific. Oh gosh, yeah, he he has come up big time. Our our young guys have come up big time. They have Sunday. That game that we needed to have, we won fifteen to seven. Tyon didn't show up. We were down four to nothing. Quick. Now he did get out about five and a third innings. Uh, he settled down, but I don't care. You can't have a guy starting who's going to give up a four spot to begin the game in big games. Uh, but we won 15 to seven. It ended up being a blowout. Uh, Talkman had four hits and three RBIs. Hap had three hits and three RBIs. Bellinger and Candelario both homer again. So we do split Cincinnati. And then last uh, yesterday was a day game due to the holiday. Excuse me. Uh, we shut out the Giants five to nothing. Once again, Justin Steele, he's a stud, shows up eight shutout innings, and he was dominant. It wasn't the gutting out that he had the previous six shutout innings. 12 Ks, no walks. Uh, he got his 16th win, and uh, Suzuki hit a home run and had three RBIs. So for the week, we went five and two. Right now, as we speak, we are two and a half games behind the Brewers, so still within strike distance with there. about 20-some-odd games to go, so about 24, I think, after tonight. So we're right there where I think we can still overtake them. Uh, the good thing uh, is that we are in second place in the wild card race, and we are two and a half up on the third place team, which I think is Cincinnati or Miami or somebody else. Maybe, maybe Arizona, maybe. I don't know. Could be. So we're we had a five and two week. We're, we're we're in good shape. We still have play Colorado. We have to finish us off with the Giants that we play Arizona, but we have, have I think we may have all of our games with Colorado left. Um, but I know we got Pittsburgh again. I, I watched that Monday game, Vince, and I actually said uh it was on i said you know what i'm gonna watch this game i know vince is watching it and that steel kid has put himself in a 
position. He's been just dynamite for y'all, but he's got a shot at the Cy Young. He's up in every category, and he's he's like carried to put the team on his back, and he shows up every time and gives you everything he's got. And that crowd, it was like a playoff atmosphere. They're feeling it, man. They're bringing it in. They're giving that team that extra boost. And it's so much fun to watch. But that steel kid, it was a it was a pleasure watching him pitch uh, Monday. Well, in the post-game uh, conference uh, media scrum, David Ross and David Ross does not give in to hyperbole. He's not into overhyping anybody. I think he's finally comfortable saying this. Well, he's got to be because he said it. <laughs> Justin Steele has John Lester in him. He is just a bulldog. He doesn't give in with any pitch. He's got he's got an attitude. I mean, you saw if you watched the game, you saw his attitude after a strikeout. He is he's a bulldog on the mound. He looks like a kid, though. I, you know, I'm 59 he's, years old. I'm looking at him and I'm like, golly, this looks like a uh, just a young kid out there pitching. But man, he's got poise. And he's got intensity, and I like that. And he he'll give you everything he's got. I like yeah. that. Yeah. What a lot of people don't realize because we were out of the race second half of the season last year. Uh, he pitched really well this, the second half of the season last year. So this is a continuation of that. It kind of reminds me, not to the same level, but it kind of reminds me of uh, Jake Arrieta's 2015 season was so dominant. But the second half of the 2014 season, he was just as dominant. It's just that we weren't in it and nobody paid attention. So uh, Steele with the uh, spotlight shining bright on him, he's, he seems to have upped it a little bit and very happy about that. Oh, yeah. JJ, I want to tell you something. Please. I have been married three times. Yes, sir. I have had some problems in my relationship. Oh, tell I me about it. I wish when I was a young man in my late 20s, I would have had a person like Jeremy Connor to steer me straight. I listen to him daily. I love Jeremy Connor. Well, you should listen to Jeremy too. Comes a time in every man's life when he needs some advice on relationships. You need to listen to the podcast DMDR, which stands for Dating, Marriage, Divorce, Remarriage, from my good friend, Jeremy Connor, the Dr. Phil of the Boot Hill. You can find DMDR on Spotify or whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast. We're going to do a segment, and we're going to do it over the, uh, the entire offseason, but we thought we'd start it now because, actually, I'm kinda, I kind of love this kind of stuff. We are going to take each position and we're going to go through our top four or five that we've personally seen play. Now, this isn't our favorites based because if it was a favorites, it'd be Mark Barry Wood, you know. These are from my and JJ's our 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 observation. These are the best pitchers we've seen in our lifetime. So we're going to start with right-handed pitching. We're also going to go left-handed pitching, starting pitching. Then we'll do relief pitching. Then we'll do all the positions, and we'll probably do bench players, bench hitters, whatever. Um, we're not going to do it every week, but, you know, once every two, three weeks, you know, pick something yeah. else. But what 
what I want you to do is give us some feedback because this is what makes this kind of stuff fun because this is all subjective. If you want to tell, send a message to me through uh, email or on the uh, Facebook page, hey man, you're full of crap. This guy should, that's what these things are for. So give us some feedback and let us know what you agree with, what you disagree with. Let's have some fun, some interaction as baseball fans. And I'm going to ask JJ, if you will tell me who you pick as the best right-handed pitchers you have seen in your lifetime. All right. Now, I go way back to the early 70s, and we didn't have cable TV back then. So, and I'm not trying to be a homer, but my, and not in any order, but I put, <laughs> I'm not a homer. As you can tell, I'm not a homer. <laughs> but I have to say Bob Gibson. If we're going right-handed pitchers, I got to go Bob Gibson. I think he's one of the all-time greats. I put him in my top five of all-time greats. And the reason, now, I saw him about 72, but I really remember 73, 74, 75. And by that time, he was not the same guy he was in the 60s. But, of course, I didn't get to see it. I only got to see maybe a Saturday game, maybe a Monday game, and whoever's playing the Cardinals. That's about all I got to see. So I put Bob Gibson First, because he's the greatest Cardinal pitcher that ever lived, uh, threw a no-hitter, pitched from 59 to 75. I'm not going to get crazy on these stats, but I will say this. One thing that makes him great is he was one of the pitchers that changed the game. That year he had in 68 with that 1.12 ERA, they had to lower the mound. It wasn't even fair anymore. And uh, it wasn't just him, Sandy Koufax and Drysdale and a few of those other guys too. But Gibson, that was his year. Uh, and the, he pitched great in the World Series, which, I mean, you talk about World Series pitching, and if you talk to any Cardinal fan, and the first pitcher they'll mention is Bob Gibson. So I put Bob Gibson at number one, nine gold gloves. He was a super athlete. Back then, the pitchers hit, and Bob could hit, too, and he, he popped a lot of home runs, threw a no-hitter, two Cy Youngs, nine All-Star games, and that 1968 year, there, I've never seen a year like that before with a low ERA, and he pitched. And here's the thing that I will, well, first of all, I'll get to the postseason in a minute, but he won 255 games, but he had over, he had more complete games than he had wins. And that's a workhorse right there. And in the postseason, he started nine games and he won seven of them. And I know the Cub fans and the Pirate fans and the Mets fans, I Bob Gibson, but I'm telling you what, if you guys aren't for sure, go back, look at some of the stats, watch the highlights from the World Series and he was Mr. Intimidation, and uh, he did not like the other team. If you were on, a, if, if you were a teammate and you went to the other team, you ain't friends no more. And I think Bob calmed down later in life after he got in the Hall of Fame. But that was one intense individual. So I went number one in my book, Bob Gibson. Now, didn't he play for the Harlem Globetrotters too? Yes, he was. He was a super athlete. Yeah, he was a Harlem Globetrotter. Yeah, but I'm sure he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't like Melock Lemon or Curly Neal. He was like Bill Lambeer in the middle of the field. Probably wasn't doing none of that throwing the confetti on the crowd stuff. <laughs> like Bill Lambeer. Yeah, Bill Lambeer. Wouldn't that be terrible to be known as the dirtiest player on the Globe Trotters? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'll say the most intense player on the Globe Trotters. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did not 
include Bob Gibson, not because I'm a Cardinal hater, oh. because I didn't really start watching baseball until the second half of 1975. So I never saw Bob Gibson pitch. So that's why he's not on this list of mine. The best right-handed pitcher that I have seen in my lifetime was George Thomas Seaver, who was Mr. Power Pitcher, drop and drive. He won 311 games. He had a lifetime ERA of 2.86, and he pitched uh, 47 uh, 4,783 innings and at 3640, 3,640 strikeouts. His whip for his career was 1.12 and he had a 109.9 war. What I loved about George Thomas Seaver, and I have a lot of respect for him, so um, is that Tom Seaver. When I was a kid, he was a power pitcher. I saw him pitch for the Mets. Um, the Mets, it, who weren't that good in the mid-70s after that 72 season. But if they thought that they were going to get Seaver pitching on Saturday, that would be the game of the week. So I saw him pitch a couple games for the Mets game of the week. Then he went to the Reds, and you saw him all the time because the big red machine was on TV all the time because they were ratings uh animal at that time and then he went back to the Mets for a season and then he went to the White Sox by the end of his career uh, when I was in college he was no longer a fastball pitcher he was no longer a strikeout pitcher he still pitched basically fastball and curve but he became a great uh Kind of like, I, not this year's Wayne Wright, but kind of like Wayne Wright at the end of his career. No longer the power pitcher, but just knew how to pitch and get you out. Seaver knew how to pitch and get you out. He's still winning towards the end of his career. 16 games a year for, for a mediocre White Sox team. Um, when his fastball has dipped down to about 91 miles an hour. Because at one time he was throwing probably 99. So I think that in my lifetime, the best right-hander ever, I've ever seen was Tom Seaver, based upon how he evolved as his skill set eroded and was still effective. Oh, oh excellent. Go. Very good. Very good. Yeah, Tom's terrific. And he pitched a no-hitter versus the Cardinals. I remember that. I was, I was fishing in Wisconsin with my dad when I remember that. Yep. Yeah. I do. I might, uh, my one grandfather who never came up, it was the only time he ever came up. We were listening to the game together and I, I was like, Oh, we're getting a no hitter pitch against this, but it was exciting. It was kind of fun. I was just, come on guys, get a hit, just get a rally going. But it was Tom Seaver. He was just too good. That's a great choice. Well, one of my other pitchers I have, and I don't have him in any particular order, but I got to see this guy pitch twice. And I know he's on your list too. Uh, and uh, you can join in, but it's Greg Maddox, uh, the professor. A Cub, a Brave, a Dodger, a Padre. I kind of think of him when I think of Greg Maddox, I think of the Braves. I wish, and I, as a neutral Cardinal fan, you know, I wish he had stayed a Cub his whole career because I like to see 
a great player, stayed with the same team. But he did move around a little bit. But the Braves years, 14 straight pennants, and that's unheard of. Um, Eight-time All-Star. This right here, 18 gold gloves. That's a, No one else has 18 gold gloves. Jim Cott and Brooks Robinson have 16. 18, that's – no one's – no. most people don't play 18 years. 18 gold gloves. One World Series at 355 wins and 227 losses. Uh, 35 shutouts, and that's a lot of shutouts in that his era because uh, Greg had a pitch in a steroid era where these guys were just – I mean, Brady Anderson was hitting 52 home runs out of nowhere. So uh, he got 35 shutouts, um, a 316 lifetime ERA, and over 3,000 strikeouts. And, you know, people uh, people don't consider him like a power pitcher, but he was. His fastball was very good. But I think of him as a precision pitcher. He'd come inside, outside, up, down. He was a pitcher. Anytime he pitched, I tried to watch the game. I got to see him. I, re I remember the time I got to see Maddox pitch in St. Louis, it was like, Hey, you want to go to the game? What's going on? Uh, yeah, sure. Of course, I always want to go game. Maddox is pitching. Let's go. And then I seen him once in Atlanta against Cincinnati, and he was down two to one. But Jeff Blauser hit a two-run homer to win it like in the seventh inning. And he is such uh, revered in baseball. If you throw a shutout under two hours and throw under 100 pitches, they call that a Maddox. So uh, he he's in the vernacular of baseball. Um and uh, it was just it was just a pleasure watching him. And Vince, I don't I know there's teams through the years where everybody had like two aces, but then Braves had three for a long time. And I still think Maddox was the best of the three. And they all are Hall of Famers and all should be Hall of Famers. But I'll, even on that team, he was the best pitcher on that team. So I put Greg Maddox as my second best pitcher I ever seen. OK, I, I have Maddox number three and. Uh... He did strike out 3,000, but he pitched over 5,000 innings. So it's not like he was a strikeout pitcher per se, but if he needed the strikeout, he would get, get the strikeout. Um, he did something that players do now. It's commonplace due to Maddox. When he would be warming up, he would warm up from the stretch. And when he first came up, he was asked by his pitching coach, why are you warming up from the stretch? And he said, because I want to make my best pitches when runners are on the base. Nowadays, a lot of pitchers just pitch out of the stretch, but that day you had a windup if nobody was on the base and you pitch out of the stretch if someone was on base. And if uh, when you warmed up, you always warmed up, wound up and threw the ball. He would warm up throwing from the stretch because he wanted his best uh, pitches when he had runners on base. Um, he had a career whip of 1.14 and he had 106.6 career war. The It was sometime in the mid-90s. I went to a game with a friend and we're sitting in the bleachers and this friend was a nominal baseball fan and Maddox pitching against the, the, the Cardinals. <clears throat> And do you remember Scott Cooper, left-hander? Oh, yeah, third baseman. Yeah, yeah. Um, Scott Cooper was up the bat, batting left-handed. Maddox is a righty. And he had two strikes on Cooper. And I said, this next pitch, Cooper is going to lunge out of the way 
and the ball's going to tail into the plate. It'll be a strike because Cooper had never faced it before. I'm not a prophet. I've just seen this so many times with Maddox. That two-strike pitch was coming straight for his ding-dong. And, boy, he goes out of the way, and it just tailed over the inside corner, strike three. Um, he had that kind of control. Um, I read a statistic somewhere. He had, like, like 300 career 3-0 and counts, and, like, 180 of those were, were intentional walks. It just unbelievable control. And uh, I'm still mad at Larry Hines for not signing him, but we, oh. we, we went through that. Oh, so. yes. And, you know, I have friends that aren't Maddox fans because they said, well, he gets that pitch off the, you know, off the plate. But I, but he earned it. He would keep hitting that corner and he'd get a strike and he found out where that strike would be called and he kept moving it out. Well, by the seventh inning, that ball might be that far outside but he worked it and got that umpire to call it. And he just kept moving it out further and further. I thought he was genius. So I have a lot of friends that hate when you're good, people are going to hate you. And I have a lot of people I know that are not Greg Maddox fans just because they thought, well, he gets special privilege, but no, he earned it that he could, he was just so good. It was so fun watching that guy. And for you young fans out there, if you haven't seen Maddox pitch and you're going to watch one pitcher, check that guy out. Cause that was the art of pitching. It wasn't throwing. It was pitching, you know. Well, Vince, my third guy. Wait a minute. I, oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you were jumping. Okay, you go ahead, sir. I'm no, sorry. no, no. It is your turn. Yeah, because we both did Maddox. Yeah, it's your turn. Then, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, my, that's my third, right. My third one is Pedro Martinez. Oh, my gosh. That's my <laughs> second one. <laughs> well, why don't you you do Pedro, and I'll jump in on the end. Pedro was a freak. Yes. He had the body of a sophomore in high school. <laughs> and yet he threw the ball so hard with so much movement, with so much confidence. And he had the reputation of being a headhunter. And boy, he leaned into it. He players were afraid to hit against him. The first time I saw him pitch, he was pitching for the Expos. Um, and where'd this little skinny guy come from? He's like throwing BBs and just unhittable. And so, you know, naturally you start following his career and he turned into Pedro Martinez. Um, he only won 219 games, but he only lost 100. Um, so he didn't have the length. For example, Maddox threw 5,008 innings. Pedro only threw uh, 2,827 innings. But he threw those innings to a tune of a 2.93 ERA, 3,154 strikeouts. He has a career whip of 1.05 and a war of 83.9. Um, it's a shame that they're... For a while, he oh yeah, that's the guy that beat up uh, Don Zimmer, eighty-year-old Don Zimmer. Um, and that that kind of that kind of uh, I don't know made him kind of like a butt of a joke. But you take away that, the guy was a heck of a pitcher, and I do like to listen to him um, during a pregame show, give his um, insight because you realize it wasn't just his 
talent. The guy is very smart when it comes to pitching. He knew going into the game what the hitter's weaknesses were. He would match that up with his stuff. That's what made him so uh, dominant. If a pitcher, if a hitter was a good fastball hitter, he went throwing the fastball over the plate. He threw it off the plate and then a breaking ball. Polish him off that way. Uh, just a fantastic pitcher. And I've got him number two. You've got him number three. Very good. Right. Let me hear I, your perspective oh, on me. Sure. Uh, there was a time, there was about a two-year stretch where my favorite pitcher was Ramon Martinez. And uh, Ramon was a, a fantastic pitcher. Anytime he'd come to town, I'd try to go to the games and watch him pitch. There was a baseball card of him and his brother, and his brother was a, uh, I don't know if he was positioned further back, but he was so small. Like you said, he had the body of a sophomore in high school. And I was like, well, who's this kid? And he came up with the Expos, and the Expos was a fun team to watch. I liked Philippe Ballou, their coach. He was like the old grandfather who was just full of stories. And Pedro loved Philippe, and he was a great coach and got the most out of his players. And I loved watching him play. And there was like a five-year stretch where I thought Ramon or uh, Pedro was the best pitcher in baseball. He went to the uh, the Boston Red Sox, and I just thought, man, the Red Sox just don't have the firepower that the Yankees had at that time. It seemed like he always had to be matched up against their ace. And um, but his <laughs> his post game interviews were something of legends. He's quite the character. There would be times I remember they had him uh, duct tape to a uh, pillar in the dugout where he couldn't move and they had tape over his mouth so he couldn't talk, you know, and because he was such a wild man and, the, and talking and, and just going, uh, having a good time, he'd be a great guy to have on the team. And then of course you mentioned it, the Don Zimmerman thing where uh, I, I remember watching that game going, what the heck is going on? They were throwing at each other and temperatures were rising. And of course it's the Yankees and the Red Sox, another chapter in their, uh, uh, rivalry, but then the Don Zimmer play and uh, him like, what the heck? And I didn't blame him for that because Zimmer did run at him. But uh, what did you do? Yeah, what can you do? You can't hit the guy. I mean, he's an old fella. He just sort of threw him to the side. And uh, God, lo and I love Don Zimmer too. I think uh, Billy used to call him the hamster or something because he had big old uh, cheeks and all that but pedro what a player and like you said he's got a second life in baseball now as a commentator and he is so much fun you never know what he's going to say and uh it seems like the today's generation of players absolutely love him and uh he's he's just a great guy to have around and at the all-star uh the uh, hall of fame inductions he's always there so uh man i got so many great memories of him I never actually got to see him pitch in person, though. It was always on TV that I, that I got to see him pitch. So that's my number three, Pedro Martinez. You want to go? Oh, well, I got a feeling that it's going to be – we'll have both of this guy on our list, too. My, uh, my fourth guy is uh, the Rocket, Roger Clemens. No? no. Well, I don't, he, I don't have him in my top five. He, there's some controversy, of course, with uh, Roger Clemens, with all the, you know, with his career. But there was a time in baseball, too. He was one of those guys I thought was the absolute best. I I got a ton of his rookie cards because I just was a big fan of the Red Sox and him. 
Ah, uh, my gosh, he would rear back. I was in the Navy and I got to go to, uh, uh, oh, it was called the Kingdome at the time. That's where the Seattle Mariners played. And uh, he struck out, I believe it was 17 in that game, nine inning. Uh, I think he did give up a run, but he struck out 17. And uh, he was just so dominant. And when you go, I was in the Navy base down at the end of the Puget Sound. So around the sixth inning, you had to make a decision. Are you going to stay for the rest of the game, but you don't get to get on the next ferry boat down there until midnight? Or do you leave about the fifth or sixth inning and catch the ferry boat so you can be home about, you know, 830? Well, Clemens was pitching and he was on fire and I stayed and it was a long night. I didn't get back in the bunks till about 1.30 in the morning, but I got to see him pitch and just dominate the Mariners. And it was a real treat. Uh, what a career. Uh, he is not in the Hall of Fame because of the controversy, but he was just such a great pitcher. It was uh, uh, how many goal, how many uh, Cy Young? That guy won like seven Cy Youngs, didn't he? Yeah, he, he won a bunch of them. Yeah, with, yeah. with Blue Jays. And uh, the Red Sox, Jays. he pitched for the Astros, too. The Astros. He had a weird uh, contract at the end of his career where he only had to pitch. Like, he didn't even have to be with the team. He just showed up every fifth day and would pitch, and then he'd go back home. And the Astros uh, agreed to the deal, but uh, that's just not good for the team. If You need everybody there together. So there at the end, he, I think it was more of a distraction. But uh, I love Roger Clemens. That guy was fantastic. And uh, – I just wish he could have played the game clean. That's all. So I, I, I watching him. I loved watching him pitch. So Roger Clemens is my fourth. See, I, I have him down with an asterisk. <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> and I, I looked hard at him. His last four years in Boston, he had become an average pitcher. He, he was having a normal career of a power pitcher who was into his 30s, who was who was waning. Then he goes to the Blue Jays, and suddenly he's pitching great again. Yeah. And then he goes to the Yankees and the Astros, and he's 70 years old, and he's still pitching great. And so... I'm not sure how great he would have been, number one, but my bias is probably, and that, this is supposed to be a bias, but I do have a bias because of the things you said, being a prima donna and having oh, yeah. the contract where he only had to come in on days that he pitched. That's a, a, a distraction. By the personal things that we now know, Oh, yeah. He's a garbage human being. So I thought, I'm not going to put him on my top five. Um, I do have him down with the asterisk because I thought if you had him on here, I want to discuss him and kind of say why I kept him off my top five. If he was so much more dominant that I couldn't. But I think if I take away the steroids, the five that I have would have been better, had better long-term careers than him. So that's kind of how I thought about it. So I, my next one, I, I thought you would have uh, in your top three or four is uh, Nolan Ryan. He, I have him. He's the next guy. Okay. 
Uh, Ryan, when it comes to a one loss record, which meant a lot in his day, he's barely above a 500 pitcher. Uh, 324 wins, 292 losses. His ERA is 3.12 for his career. He pitched 5,386 innings, and he struck out 5,714 batters. Um, he has a career whip of 1.25. A lot of that was due to the fact that he, he walked a lot of batters. Um, in his career, you know, he pitched 20... How many years? 24s? Uh, he pitched um, 27 years, Vince. 27. 27. Yeah, the reason I don't have him higher than fourth is because in 27 years, his career war is 81.3. So i not quite as dominant as Pedro, not quite as dominant as Maddox, and not nearly as dominant as Seaver. Um and I don't know about Gibson's career war because I just didn't see him pitch. But Ryan, uh, what more can we say about him? He played the game right. He was into fitness before anybody was into fitness. And he kept his, his legs in shape uh, because he knew that that's where his power was generated. And Late in his career, he went to Texas, and I saw him pitch for the Astros at Bush Stadium when he was basically in his prime. But late in his career, I got to go see him uh, pitch, pitch against the Royals when he was with the Rangers. And I think it was like seven innings, one run, and about 12 strikeouts. And I thought, golly, gee, I saw this guy pitch years ago when I was a kid and he still is dominant. There's nobody left pitching at this time from that era except this guy and he's still striking out double digits. Uh, just a tremendous pitcher. Your, your thoughts on Mr. Ryan? 40, 46. He was still a fantastic pitcher at the age of 46. Now his last season, the season he got hurt, he went five and five. But he he his career spanned so long. He was on the '69 Miracle Mets. He was in the bullpen. He was a 19 year old kid in that bullpen that had Tom Seaver and all those great players that upset the Orioles. Um, I believe that's who they played in '69. But what a career! It, and somewhere in his career, he developed a curveball. And I remember watching a game where they only got one hit, and it was Dave Winfield, and it went off the end of the bat and just kind of spun out there and he legged it out at first so the only hit didn't even make it to the mound he i never seen anybody so dominant the reason i have him at five is he was on that 69 met team but he doesn't have any hardly any postseason experience what a pitcher though he was more of an attraction you know it was more like bo jackson or Come look at this guy. You won't believe what this guy can do. Look at this arm. Look how he throws. Look how, how far he hits the ball. Nolan Ryan, it was almost the strikeout to me is like the slam dunk from basketball. It's just like just overpowering. And these guys, some of the greatest of all time. Ricky Henderson, who is his own hype man, said it was an honor to be uh Nolan Ryan's, I think it was 5,000 strikeout. He was honored that. I was the 5,000th guy that he struck out. Of course, Ricky ain't giving him nothing, and Nolan didn't give any crap. And, of course, we talk about <laughs> Ramon 
we were talking about Pedro Martinez and Don Zimmer. Well, you can't mention Nolan Ryan without Robin Ventura. And poor Robin Ventura. Nice career. He was a manager, but he'll go down forever as Nolan Ryan's punching bag. So um, I love Nolan. He did, and he, like you said, he did it the right way. A lot of times after the game, the people would want to talk to him and he would ride his bicycle. Sometimes I think half an hour, an hour, one of the stationary bikes to build those legs up. And uh, golly, he was just a great example for kids and, and anybody who wanted to do it the right way. Um, he was a quiet guy. Uh, he's a rancher. Um, of course, he don't have to work. He's Nolan Ryan, but that guy goes out and still works and works the ranch. So I've always, I just always think of him as more of like an attraction because I don't think he was the pitcher Greg Maddox was, but he was the most overpowering, dominant, intimidating pitcher for that long a time that I've ever seen in my life. So that's what I got to say about Nolan Ryan. Uh, is it my turn for my fifth pitcher? Yes, sir. Okay. My fifth pitcher is Max Scherzer. Ooh. Um, as we stand today, 213 wins, 107 losses, a career ERA of 3.13. Uh, he is uh, pitching 2,826 innings, so he's going to hit 3,000 innings, and in this day and age, that's a lot. Of uh, uh, 3,361 strikeouts, of course, these are all uh, he's still active. Uh, career whip of 1.08, and uh, career war of 75.2. Max Scherzer is not there. Okay, he's he's man. I get it. A lot of us aren't there. That's He's right. definitely not there. He does not like to lose in anything. He throws fits. He's 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 a child, but man, he channels that kind of competitive as the child he don't want to lose. Reminds me of my daughter Rebecca growing up. You know, <laughs> had to win at everything. Um, he's still that way, and he channels all that anger and rage he gets into pitching. And I love it when he pitches and you can hear him grunt. I mean, he is putting everything into every pitch. And I remember when he was pitching with the Tigers and he had his first great season. And there was an article that I read that this guy won't sustain it because he doesn't have the makeup of an, of a, of an athlete. He was looked at as this you know, weird guy that, you know, the D-backs didn't know what to do with. Tigers had issues with Every team's had issues with him, but they've learned how to live with him. Um, but, man, he has just become the best pitcher that I have seen in the 2000s, I would say, in the 2010s. Uh, just a dominant pitcher, competitiveness. I wouldn't want to play him in Space Invaders because he'd probably tear things down if he lost. But, man, if I had one game to win, I want that guy on the mound. And I don't care if he throws a fit. I don't care what he does with his personal life. I mean, I care if he's doing yeah. something illegal. But he doesn't seem to be. He just has all kinds of rage, competitive rage that he channels into pitching. And that's why I have him on the that's a good one. Those he's got those two-toned eyes too, and it just looks like something something's going on out there, you know. With those, he's got those two-colored eyes. 
And even his bobblehead, which I'm a bobblehead guy, it had the two-tone eyes on there. I love it. I love it. There's a YouTube video on him that's it's quite popular and looks at his history. Um, high school, college at Mizzou, um, minor leagues, he's always been this way. Uh, players on his team have known, stay away from him. Stay, you know, uh, don't joke around with him. Don't don't give him a hot foot. Don't do the little bubble on the hat. Leave him alone. <laughs> so we were hoping he'd come because I I hope I wished he grew up a Cardinal fan and he was went to Mizzou. There was always a hope he would come here and play, but we're cheap. He didn't come here. <laughs> I've got some honorable mentions. You've got some honorable mentions, don't you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, who are your- I- I went old school, though. These are players that are right-handers that played way before my time. And I, I just wanted to kind of bring uh, proper respect to these old right-handers that were uh, top-notch. And can I mention them? I'm just going to mention the names. Sure. That's okay. Uh, I think maybe the best right-handed pitcher ever was big train Walter Johnson. And <clears throat> he had the first amazing fastball. They say there's only three – fastballs that were just like next level and it was walter johnson bob feller and nolan ryan were the three and at the time he had the fastest fastball anybody had ever seen um so walter johnson i that guy i anything i can learn on him i do i've read books and articles about him love that guy Uh, another guy is cy young cy young was mr durability he pitched in the four-man rotations. You know, today these guys are getting hurt all the time. I think he pitched hurt all the time, but he had over 500 wins. And I think the next guy behind him is 100 wins behind him. Uh, and it was and that was a tough game. I mean, that was uh, people threw inside. Uh, all these guys are trying to take your jobs. Nobody wanted to go work in the mines. So it was just these guys were just a rougher group of men back in those days. Um, Bob Feller. And Bob Feller – missed four years to world war ii he was the first veteran first baseball player that went into the military so bob feller uh i got so much respect for him and there's a video of him throwing uh, his pitch over 100 miles an hour and a motorcycle going at 100 and his baseball breaks the the paper before the motorcycle rider i always think of bob feller with that one and then the last guy well there's two more i got christy matheson a great new york giant player who um uh, Played for a long, long time with 373 wins and 188 losses. That's pretty impressive. Uh, And the last guy is Satchel Paige, who a lot of his statistics, he didn't make it to the big leagues until he was well late in his 40s. And he had a nice three or four years in the big leagues. And I hear the reason he had to play longer is people would bunt against him and he wasn't able to come and field the bunts in time because he was over a 50-year-old man at that time. But played the Negro Leagues considered the greatest pitcher of all time in the Negro Leagues and probably one of the greatest pitchers, period. And so I just wanted to honor those older players who are right-handers who changed the game. And that's my guys right there. I, I wanted to honorable mention. I, I, I stuck with just people that I've seen pitch. So I've got a – of course, I've already talked about Clemens as an honorable mention, and we'll get yeah. into that again. Um I also have Jim Palmer on here. He was my oh, first one out. Yes. Um, 
Palmer was a great pitcher for those Baltimore Orioles team from the 60s into the 80s. And uh, class gentleman, uh, great announcer, uh, threw a high fastball and a curveball. And uh, I remember watching him a lot when I was growing up because uh, Orioles were good. So good teams were always on TV, games of the week, stuff like that. Um, I also have another, uh, my last two on here for honorable mention are contemporaries, Justin Verlander, uh, who I think is just an excellent pitcher, one of the best that I've ever seen, doesn't quite crack my top five, uh, but he's certainly one that comes to mind. And this other guy I do want to give a mention to because for about a three-year period, I think he may have been the best right-hander I ever saw. Um, he's still pitching today, sometimes, and that's Jacob DeGrom. Um, when he first came up with the uh, Mets, uh, I remember we had a series against them, and we'd heard about Sendergaard because he had a lot of hype to him. So facing this guy, Thor, well, uh, also in that series, we faced this guy, DeGrom, whose hair was just as long, but just dark, and it was like, holy cow, this guy can throw. And when he's been healthy, he's been the best pitcher in the National League. Um, but I don't I think he's only got like 80 wins. Yeah, um, can't stay healthy. Cannot stay healthy. Oh. But, man, when, when he, for about a three-year run, he was so dominant. It was amazing to watch. So tell us what you think about our list. If you like something, if you think we've overlook something let us know uh if you want to let us know your top five uh just you know put in a comment on the uh a youtube page put in a comment on the uh podcast uh message jj message me or just send us an email you know one card one cup one beer gmail.com let us know because God knows that we are stupid. And I know that a lot of you are just completely smart. By the way, uh, I was uh, working on one of the uh, uh, Cub sites. And somebody, oh gosh, he, he was yakking at the fans and he called, oh, hey. All of you sofa managers is <laughs> a derogatory term to someone. And I put down there, we are all sofa managers. That's part of being a baseball fan. Oh, yes. You're not it a is. sofa <laughs> manager. What are you watching it for? Watch. Oh, that's true. The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> that's, that's the fun of it. Hey, uh, JJ. Yes. I. When I went to the Hall of Fame this year, yes. do you remember the RC cans of the 70s that had the baseball players on them? Oh, yeah, the back one. Yeah, there was a blue can with a, like a black and white picture of them. I yes. I saw them at the Hall of Fame. Oh, my gosh, there's the cans that I grew up with. Those are so awesome. Yes. I found them on Facebook Marketplace. I'm not doing baseball cards today. I'm doing rc oh, i love it i love it i love it i love it that is great uh do you know how many there were like how many different ones or how many 15, years and i have them all you've got all 15 i'm in, i'm ready for this this is a treat right here all right 
let me start by saying, those of you who don't quite grasp what RC Cola is, you can still get it. But when JJ and I were growing up, it did rival Coke and Pepsi. It did. Uh, RC Cola or Royal Crown Cola has been around for a long time. At a one time, they were a close third to Coke and Pepsi in the Cola Wars when we were growing up. So this was kind of a big deal to, to have your, to, to get the licensing for this company to get the players on there. So that was really cool. So I grew up drinking RC Cola. Um, and then when the baseball players came out, it's when I was first a baseball fan, I was really excited. So I would get them, but I wasn't savvy enough to collect them. I would just drink the cola. Look, you know, I'm drinking Joe Morgan and I'd throw it out. It was like, so I had almost forgot about it. Then when Max and I went to the Hall of Fame this year, they had them in the Hall of Fame. So I found them on Facebook Marketplace and there was a lady in Festus who had them and I had to get six of the uh, 1995 Rams Coke cans because her father collected these and she said she was the type of person who couldn't throw out anything. I told her, I just want the baseball can. She said, nah, please take the other six too. I can't, I can't throw them out, you know, because my father's passed away. I just can't do it. She said, I don't care what you do. With them. So when I went to go pick them up, pick up the uh, can, you know, um, I said, are you sure that you want me to take the Rams can? She said, yeah. And her husband said, yeah, you can use target practice. I don't care a bit. Anyway, uh, so I had to get that. So I, I got these local fests. I'm so excited. So um, can we go ahead and, and do these first? Uh, you know what? Let me do my cards first. Let's. You got to eat your vegetables before you get dessert, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm going to do that. And again, it's the last pack of Alton Ginter cards. So who knows? We might get Charles Nelson Riley. We might get uh, Father McKay in here. I don't know who we're getting. <laughs> Batting down the hatches. Oh, um, I like this card. DJ LeMayhew. There he is. Yeah. Not a happy camper. The Yankees have not had a good year. Look at that face right there. I don't know who that is. I will get to him in a minute. Minute. Uh, this is uh, Brewers, and I do not know this kid. Luis Urias, right there. Yeah, he. Uh, Who's he with him? now? Uh, I'm not sure. This was last year's too. Oh, oh, the the old timer here. While you're looking, if I saw you pick up that thing here, yeah, that's one, me. Where's Luis Arias now? Vince, you mentioned this player last week when we had the trivia contest. Uh, Max, who does is incredible with the trivia. The bonus was this board where you had to name a player that played for one team and another team. This was one of your players you picked, and I forgot he was a New York Met. Mike Piazza. Yes. There's Mike Piazza. Yeah, he, man. He, I, I remember he played one game for the Marlins. He got traded from the Dodgers to the Marlins the next day. They traded him to the Mets. And he had one at bat for the Marlins, and it was he pinch hit a bush stadium, and I was at that game. That's the only reason why I remembered he played for the Marlins. Look at it. Vince is, by the way, beating me in trivia three to two, but I am happy to say that none of our none of our uh, listeners have beaten us yet. So we're we're three three and two right here. But Mike Piazza also maybe the most handsome baseball player ever. Him and Mickey Mantle. Uh 
uh, I don't know if I can even mention it, but he married a uh, model. Let's just say she's a model for uh, a magazine, a men's magazine. But that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Very handsome fellow there. And uh, who is this here? Oh, my gosh. It's a miniature card. And I believe he's with the Indians here. It's Richie, uh, the kid that's with the Cardinals that plays center field now. Palancias? Palancias. Uh, yeah, we yes. got him for cash considerations. Well, I got a miniature card of him. I'm very happy with that. And then they throw in these other cards. And I don't know what it is, but Vince, get a load of this. These two crap cards I got. One's what's cooking? Ketchup. It's a it's a card honoring ketchup. The number one, the number two, not even the number one condiment at a baseball game. The number two condiment. <laughs> what the heck? And, and it's barely ahead of mayonnaise, let's be honest. And then this other guy named Sean Dog. Who the heck's that? <laughs> Looks like Taz. It's Taz. That's right, right there. Man, great mustache and, and goatee. I don't know who the heck that is, Vince. I, that's it. I'm done with those packs of cards. The ones I like, I love, but I don't know what them other ones are. Ron Luis Urias is playing for the Red Sox. He's a Red Sox now. Okay. All right. So he's All going right. to big I'm there are 15 cans here, five are Hall of Famers. So I need to reach over here. So I need to maneuver myself a bit. All right. I'm excited about this. The Why first can, this guy used to play for the Cubs. He was an all-star. At this time, he's an Atlanta Brave. Gary Matthews. Sarge. Yep. That's right. Johnny Bench said he dislocated his shoulder in a collision at home plate. Wow. Yeah. So Sarge, baby. This player, he's a Hall of Famer. My wife was looking at the can, just admiring the stash. <laughs> Former Cardinal for a week, Raleigh Fingers. Raleigh Fingers. Vince, I noticed they don't have the uh, emblem of the team on the hat. It's just like a blank. Yeah. And it does have like, uh, it does say, Raleigh Fingers, San Diego Padres. Okay. And then it has All-Stars, 73 through 76. 76, one loss record, 13 and 11. Earner on average, 2.41. Throws right, nine years pro. So it does have a few stats that you can see there. Okay. Um, yeah. Like the hitting stats with Matthews. It's Gary Matthews, Atlanta Braves, outfielder, uh, 76 batting average, 280. Lifetime batting average, 290. Bats right, throws right, five years pro. And uh, by the way, that's what an RC can look like. And notice, Man. these are the old uh, tin cans. They're not aluminum. Oh. I mean, I can't crush this. Yeah. JJ could because he's a manly man. But <laughs> there are two Cardinals in this set. Ooh, hey, all right. All right, you can guess the first one pretty easy. From 1976, who do you think? Lou Brock? Lou Brock. Man, guess who the second one is? 76. I'm going to say, well, he was probably too mad. Ted Simmons. No. Oh. The Callaway kid. Bake, bake McBride. Shake and bake. Yeah. Awesome. Bake Rookie of the year. 74. Yeah, we have another Hall of Famer, Little Joe Morgan. Oh, yeah, yeah the chicken wing. 
Yeah. MVP. One of the great big red machine guys. One of the things that I, I find very interesting is when I was little, there were when I first started watching baseball players, there were players that were really good and all stars. And I just I think of them as like great players, but then because I then I look back and man, that guy was only good for like two or three years, but you know, they were so big. When I was a kid, I thought they were just like great players. And this is one of those guys. Dave Cash for the Montreal Expos. Dave Cash. Who, who played a lot of his career was an all-star for the Pirates. And uh, I thought that he was a great player and had this long career. And then when I was, nah, he kind of went downhill, like in the 77 season was like, Kind of a normal player, kinda... but I like Dave Cash growing up. I did too. He played with the Phillies too, I believe. He played with the I know Pirates. I know when he was with the Pirates, uh they traded him to the Expos. And uh did he go to the Phillies after that? I, I don't remember. We have our one and only Cub. Oh. 1976. Rick Monday, his last year with the Cubs. Rick Monday. Love him. Hit, hit 32 home runs that year. Then we traded him to the Dodgers. Um, little known trivia fact about Rick Monday. Well, not little known. I think a lot of people know, but Rick Monday in the very first major league baseball draft was the very first number one draft hit. Oh, you know what? I didn't remember that. Um, very good. Rick Monday. This is a guy that I've always wondered why he didn't get more Hall of Fame consideration. Uh, maybe it's his defense, but he certainly has the numbers to stack up against other Hall of Fame players. Uh, Rusty Stop. Oh, yes. For the Tigers at this time. Played for the Mets, the Expos, the Tigers. Then I think he went back to the Mets. Hey. Uh, his lifetime batting average at this time was 299. I know he had close to 3,000 hits. You know, I'm thinking, hey, he's a great player. Why didn't I kind of remember him as a pinch, like pinch hitter deluxe? Not there in Montreal, yeah. they had a French name for him, like Le Grand Jean. Grand Orange. Yes. That's it. That's it. Yes. yes. This player went on to become a very good manager for the Cleveland Indians, the human rain delay, Mike Hargrove. He couldn't play in today's game unless he sped it up. Oh, yeah. Oh. I witnessed this guy get hit in the face with a pitch from Roy Thomas. Ooh. He was never quite the same. Ellis Valentine. Oh, he was so good. They had yeah. a great outfield back then. Warren yeah. Cromati, Warren Cromati, Andre Dawson, and Ellis Valentine. And Ellis Valentine. Yes. And here's a guy that earlier in the year, one of our first uh, podcasts, you said should be in the Hall of Fame. And I agree. You had a very compelling argument. Al Oliver. The great Al Oliver. That dude did nothing but hit. Oh, yeah. He killed the Cardinals. He killed us. This guy killed the Cubs. Oh, okay. Hall of Famer, Mike Schmidt. Oh, yes. Michael Jack Schmidt. There's the man. Oh, yeah. 
And this player was a good pitcher until he got injured, uh, but he is probably best known as the first big-time free agent with free agency hit, Andy Messerschmitt. Oh, yes, 74. That's right. He, he got. Uh, I remember that. There was a baseball card that uh, commemorated that. I'll be darned. Cardinal fans won't know who this guy is. Ah, oh, the base burglar. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, yeah, he was a Cubs. In an alternate universe, he made his name for the Cubs. Boop Rock. They had a, when he played near the end of his career, they had a, a little segment on the radio. I think it was before the game called Brock at Bat. And he would talk a little, give some advice out to the kids, talk about the other team, that kind of thing. He's very cool. classy. This is the only can that had any kind of a dent in it. Um, Uh-oh. This was uh, one of my favorite players growing up, certainly my favorite American Laker, George Brett. Oh, and as you yeah. can see, we have a little dent in the can right here. There you can see it. So. There you And my final player. Ooh. Did you save the special one for last? Yeah. Can you guess who it is? Dave Kingman? Dave Kingman. Dave, Dave Kingman. Kingman. Yeah. King Kong. Yeah. There you go. So, I, yeah, I, I've got these displayed on my desk. I, I'm, I'm very proud of these. I was so juiced when she, uh, I said, do you still have these? She said, yeah, I'll take them. So I got this set, and it was so weird because I hadn't really thought much about this set until I saw them at the Hall of Fame. Then I thought, I want to own that set. And then when I found that they were in Festus, I thought, they're mine. So there they are. The planets lined up. It's perfect. I love it, man. Thank you for sharing. That was great. Oh, you're welcome. So, well, JJ, what do you got coming up this week? Well, I'm going to do a couple of open mics uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And then um, let's see. I think in the near future, that's all I got going on this week. Uh, just working and trying to make a living and uh, watching my Cardinals. Uh, there's a Aussie, I think in two weekends, there's an Aussie Smith bobblehead on a Saturday. We're playing the Phillies. I'm going to try to go. They got a, they got the wizard in like a, there was a famous poster in the eighties where he was dressed like a magician and they did a bobblehead like that, where he's got the white gloves on and a cape and a top hat and a wand. So I'm going to, I'm going to go there to that Saturday game and get that bobblehead. Probably my last game I go to this year. Kind of sad, but uh, it's fun watching the pennant races. I'll be watching a lot of that and getting ready for the playoffs. That's what I got going on. I got a kind of a special weekend plan. Uh, Saturday, I'm going to Kirksville, and then I will spend the night with Max in his apartment. Then the next day, we're getting up to go watch the uh, Iowa Cubs play in Des Moines. Oh, fantastic. That's great. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited about that. Um, I hope uh, I hope PCA is still there. I don't know if who's going to be there, but yeah, it'd be, be kind of fun. I'm pretty sure Mervis will be there and um, see. Uh, hopefully, Ben Brown. So be cool. Take some good take some good video. Uh, I'll take some video because that's what I do. So yes, sir. I have a blast. That's gonna be fun. All right. Well, JJ, you have a good one. 
You too, guys. And I will see you next week. All right.